With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, we have things on from the National Football League. 38-year-old Antonio Gates, the tight end, is coming back to the L.A. Chargers on a one-year contract. The team announced this morning. New York, New York Giants have claimed defensive end Mario Edwards off of waivers from the Oakland Raiders. And the NFL Network reported earlier today that the Denver Broncos have informed Paxton Lynch that they are cutting him. Lynch is a former first-round pick of Denver back in 2016. Meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, loads of action today. Phillies have activated first baseman Justin Bohr from the 10-day DL. On the Diamond Tigers, leading the Yankees 7-3. Victor Reyes is 2-2 two for two in the contest. Two doubles and two runs batted in. Blue Jays by five in Miami over the Marlins. Nationals are doubling up the Brewers 4-2. And it's the Cubbies leading the Phillies in Philadelphia. 2-0 Chicago. I'm David Gascon. We are I'm pretty sure that Bill Belichick has a saying that he uses around Patriot Place. It goes like this. Do your job. Uh, Nick, that's what you're about to do right now today. Am I correct or am I correct? Oh, you are 100% correct. All right, so you're going to do your job. Are you going to do your job? I'm going to do my job. Okay, Uh, good. I don't know. uh, Not everybody may be paying attention to this, but I do my job seven days a week. So (laughs) I'm going to do my job. I'm going to Belichick this thing. I'm going to do my job. I've got a question for you, Nick, uh, as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
Geico.com for a free rate quote. What would you say about Nick Saban if he decided right at kickoff last night, you know what we're going to do? We're going to grab all the defensive players and let them play offense. (laughs) And we're going to grab all the offensive players and we'll let them play defense. What would your reaction be as an observer of football? I would say he he is not making he's not doing his job at a high level. Oh. I would say that would not be very smart. Okay, so he would not be doing his job, and he would be criticized for that. I would imagine. I, I would mean, assume as a, so. As a high level so. f- football coach, in fact, uh, the guy that many believe is I don't know maybe the face of college football right now. I would say um, you're expected to go out there and conduct yourself. In a certain manner, in a professional way, you're expected to go out there, coach your team, lead your guys, and try to win football games in a classy and fair, under-the-rules sort of a way. That's doing your job. Well, see, now that's what Maria Taylor was doing yesterday when this exchange took place at the end of the Alabama game. Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. Did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to. So quit asking. No, see, we're not going to quit asking, Nick. Uh, I tell you what, we are going to do. I now have a new college football team this year. In fact, I have two of them, Nick. I have two college football teams this year. I'm very excited about this because I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Yeah. This is not an FBS football team. So I'm not a guy that has hats and shirts and big jerseys and goes to sport, sports bars on Saturday to watch college football games because I don't have a high-level team. But this year I do, Nick. It's whoever's playing Alabama <laughs> and whoever's playing Ohio State. Because thanks, Urban, and thanks, Nick, for very different reasons – you yeah. guys have solidified yourselves as completely unlikable. So quit asking. I, I hate it. Mark, I hate it when people put themselves in a situation, then get pissy when people ask them about the situation they're in. Like, you know who could eliminate all the questions about the quarterbacks at Alabama? <laughs> oh, I know, Nick I know. Saban. Yeah, exactly. You, you, he's created this whole deal. You name a starter, guess what stops, Coach Saban? Questions about the two quarterbacks and this like this position he takes as if to be like, how dare you continue to ask me about the quarterbacks is ridiculous. And here's the thing, too. Maria Taylor, I thought, asked a great question. Oh, you know, she, like, she phrased it, it in perfectly. a perfect yes. way, by the way, to exactly do to not do what he accused her of doing. He's right. like, you're trying to get me to say something. No, no, I'm not. It's no. an open-ended question. She asked, what did you... She, play it again. She basically asked, what did you learn? Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. We, we, we get four quarters of football. Her question was, what answers do you now have? And his response is, quit trying to get me to say something I don't want to say. She didn't try to do anything. And, no. and, and, I, and, and here's the reason why the media, for fans, if you want to know why the clap back is so hard, Maria Taylor just got snapped at 
on national television by the face of college football. If she does anything other than what she did, she gets criticized by everybody else. So, Nick, you just put her in a bad situation, not the other way around. No question. And by the way, when I say Nick, I don't mean you. I mean Nick Saban. I I, I understand. (laughs) Let's let's make sure. Um, Yeah, I I mean, if anything, I felt like Maria Taylor's question was like putting it on a tee for him to praise both guys. If that's what what he wants to continue to do, which, you know, we can get to this later. This charade that it's like, yeah, you know, both guys, you know, oh boy, I tell you, I lose sleep at night between which guy is actually my starting quarterback, whatever. Like, but it was put on a tee for Nick Saban to to rant and rave positively about both guys. And yet he takes it as, oh, you're trying to get me to to rip one of my quarterbacks and it's not going to happen. It just, it drives me crazy. And I know this may seem like it's a typical media defending other media members. No, it's not about that. To me, it's it, there always should be an element of respect. Now, if Maria Taylor would have somehow approached this in a disrespectful manner, where well, then... I, I I can understand why Nick Saban would come back a, a little bit harshly. But to me, as long as there is respect given one way, respect should always be given the other way. That's called like, oh, I don't know, society and being Thank a you. person. That's called being a human being. That's exactly right. And one of the things that I would love to see uh, evolve uh, in sports over the years is the idea that winning cures everything. Because it doesn't. Uh, we do have this idea that as long as you're winning, you get to be a jerk. You yep. get to do it your way because you've proven it works. Now, I'm sorry it doesn't work, What, especially college football, college basketball. What do we always ask of our coaches? We want you to win. We also want you to lead young men. Mm-hmm. Now, what you saw last night, Nick, that was not leading young men. That was not leading anybody. That was classless. It was a terrible example for anybody who was watching it. It took an absolutely perfectly drafted question by a professional and he flicked her he flicked her across the television screen that's the kind of stuff that's got to go away whether it's football or anything else for that matter so i i i I absolutely reject the idea that as long as nick saban's teams are putting up 50 points all's good no no you, you 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 don't you do not get to do it this way no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'd like to see how Coach Saban or how, how that coaching staff would react to if, let, let's say, Tua was interviewed and some sort of question about the quarterbacks came out and Tua clapped at Maria Taylor with some sort of, got all upset, quit asking me about Jalen Hurts or about this quarterback situation. I'd imagine there'd be some sort of conversation amongst the coaching staff. Hey, show a little respect during the media. Uh, you're, you're representing all of Alabama. You're representing the football team. I mean, Again, there's such a double standard and a hypocritical stance we take in sports at times. And, you know, it's one thing for pro sports. I do think it's slightly different. I don't want to ever absolve someone for acting like a jerk. But, I mean, I think whenever you're the head coach of a university, you really are representing something that should be uh, of, of, of higher notoriety in that regard. But even a guy like Greg Popovich. Now, I don't like those end-of-the-quarter <laughs> interviews. I mean, they're, they're, they're silly, right? But it's like, Pop... Come on, man! Like you know, don't 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 act like a, a jerk to Doris okay. Burke but or see, whatever. But do you get? I've always wondered this. When you talk about Popovich, do you get the feeling that that's real? I yeah. every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, he's putting this on. Like this is tongue in cheek, and you know, like you saw it for years with Sager, 
Sure. Uh, and when Sager was with us, he would do that to him all the time. But then as he's walking away, there was the little pat on the back. Like, Greg's just being Greg, and, and that's kind of his persona. Maybe I'm giving him a pass, no. and I shouldn't. But I do not put Popovich and Saban, uh, who, who just berates players, coaches, media, every single week, it seems like. Like, right. I didn't like what he did to Lane Kiffin a few years ago and then came into the locker room after the press conference, and they're like, what was that? And he goes, oh, we call those ass chewings. Excuse <laughs> me, dude. Like, you're an adult. Yeah. He's an adult. Like, you're all adults. you got to yeah. treat everybody like an adult, okay? Uh, you know, wh- whether you like Lane Kiffin or not, the guy's not five years old. Don't talk to him that way. I, 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 I think there is there's a redeeming quality to Popovich that doesn't exist for Nick Saban in, in these sort of settings. And then even like, I, I never want to lump Belichick into that group either. Belichick's, Belichick, just does, Belichick just doesn't give you anything. He doesn't necessarily disrespect you. Right. You know, like, at least that's how I, now I'm a full disclosure, I'm happened. a Tom Brady guy. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's, hap- it's Listen, happened at times. I'm, I'm glad you just but, brought up Brady. Let's look at what he did this week. Right. There right. are There are connections between what Tom Brady did this week although he gave the radio hosts a number of chances before he hung up. Yep, and yep. he did not berate them. He just said, guys, I don't want to talk about this. You have a great day, and he hung up. Saban uh, literally talking down to a person. But there's a connection there, which is this. Tom Brady and Nick Saban come from that school of, as I just said, do your job. It is completely disingenuous, wildly hypocritical for them to look at a media member and say, why are you asking me about this? Understand that that media member is not doing their job if right. they don't ask that question. Right. I mean, as you said at the top, if Maria Taylor would have gotten Nick Saban on the field after the game and not <laughs> asked a single quarterback question, it had been everybody had been going, what what a horrible Horrible job by Maria Taylor. She totally whiffed. How do you not ask the question about the quarterback? It's like, the only question. It. Yes. It was the only one. That's it. Um, especially after a day like that, you know, they roll through Louisville. Louisville is in the uh, the transitional phase now after uh, Lamar Jackson. So, uh, yeah, I, that one really struck me. And let me just say, it's not the first time uh, that no. Nick Saban has struck me this way. He does this all the time. And for some reason, especially in sports, when you win, we allow you to be holier than thou. We mm. allow you to be a jerk. If Ohio State didn't just teach us anything, if Penn State didn't just teach us anything, look at those schools where we're saying, hey, excuse me, look, we love our football, and it is important, and there's a lot of money, we get it. But at the end of the day, humanity is more important than football. Well, if that's the case, then obviously if you're talking about domestic abuse and child endangerment and child abuse, all the, now that's high, high-level stuff. This, sure. this is simply being rude outwardly rude and disrespectful to others, but doesn't that still fit on a smaller level in the same bucket of yeah. humanity is more important than football? I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I just think that everything should always come back to respect. Respect for everyone around you, respect for people's well-being, safety, their job, whatever. I mean, to me, the whole concept of respect is a broad, all-encompassing term that should always be at the forefront of everybody's minds whenever they're doing anything in life. And to me, Nick Saban continually disrespects the media and and people that are are to me showing him respect, doing their job and I I, I don't know how anybody that sees this otherwise, I just don't quite get it. All right, I feel better now. Yeah, me too. Don't you feel me better? Yeah, I'm good. Saban I'm good. I'm good to go. 
last Oof. night. I had to sleep on that sucker. <laughs> Holy smoke. All right. With Nick Bob, Mark Willard, and it is our first full football weekend. We are now counting down to the NFL opener four days away. Lots to get to with that. But in reaction to the college football games that took place yesterday, wow, did they giveth, but wow, did they not also taketh away. That's next. All right, Mark Willard and Nick Bob. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I, I wonder about this. I was about to make a prediction, but Nick Saban is such a jerk that he, he, I might be wrong. Um, I was going to predict that at his weekly conference this week, he will apologize to Maria Taylor. Um, he should. Mm-hmm. Then again, I never really like asking people for apologies because when you ask someone for an apology and then they give it, it's just completely insincere. Um, he should think of it on his own. Uh, but do you think he will? Uh, I, I, th- there's a report out that uh, from James Miller that he reportedly called Maria Taylor and apologized already. I mean, I, I don't know how you know. I, I know he did some sort of podcast series with Saban, so I don't know if if there's any uh, validity to that information. But I also think that uh, th- because this happened in a in a public platform, right. a public forum, I think it calls for a public apology. In my opinion, um, but I'm totally with you on the 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 forced apologies i mean you, you and i are fathers it, it it's almost like when you force your kid now now say you're sorry you know right, i'm right. sorry they don't even for, know what they're saying yeah yeah <laughs> you know and they look now what are you sorry said nick saban what are you sorry about? i'm sorry about disres- disrespecting yeah. maria you know it just it's yeah i i mean i on what i don't want to be i, I don't want to be uh you know hypocritical and say oh, i demand an apology and then be upset at the apology but we all know as an adult when you have to be coerced into an apology how Sincere is that real apology? And we all know the answer to that. I just struggle sometimes with what, like, it's, I find it so easy to be nice to people. Oh, yes. I find that to be the easiest part about my day every day. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have arguments within my house or with other people or disagreements, but I, like, I find that to be so easy. Like, the idea of walking around. And the first response being the grumpy, get off my lawn, stop doing this to me kind of thing. Like, you got to work to get there. I got to yeah. work to get myself there. And if I were Nick Saban, if I were the most successful person in my industry, I'd really have to work there. Like, what the hell are you so upset about? That, that's, the, that, that's the thing that I've never understood with him is... And I don't know if this is all a plan because I also think I actually watched there was a a series on it might have been on on ESPN where you know it's about the it might have been like Crimson Tide days or so you know like where they're doing behind the scenes stuff and you know he's with his team and he's taking them out on a boat and he seems like a halfway decent guy and you're like why not let that show through than this other person that gets portrayed in these press conferences because at the end of the day I don't know which one's real or fake or contrived or not. Right. But I'm totally with you. I just it it is not hard. Uh, you you obviously uh, in in the media when you talk to athletes. Same thing for me. Even when I was a college basketball player, like listen, not all interviews are going to be the greatest things in the world. But I think there's as long as there's an understanding of hey, I got to do this, you got to do your thing. Let's kind of go through this song and dance together. I just the. the 
I just don't understand what he's so upset about. I, I just I don't I I'm not totally he's you know it makes not not that money solves everything. The guy makes eight point three million dollars a year. He just won what fifty one to fourteen. Right. He's the reigning <laughs> national champion. You know, it's right. like what are what are like, you so upset about? How, that would have been the greatest response Maria Taylor could have given. Although yes. she shouldn't have, but it would <laughs> like in my dreams, she would have looked at him and been like. Um, when would be a good time to approach you? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I right. would have loved her to just say that. When, when, is, is there a better time? Should we wait until you win by 50? <laughs> was was 35 not enough? What's, what's the deal here? That would have been, you want to talk about viral. Anyway, um, okay, you see college football is both a gift and a curse. Yes. What do you got? Well, I mean, it, it's the thing that college football has going for it is the fact that on any given Saturday, your hopes of making the college football playoff, a.k.a. winning a national championship, can come crashing down. I mean, just any any given Saturday, it can be done. Now, that creates urgency and interest amongst the fans and college football uh, consumers because they feel like they can't, heck, they can't miss one game. They can't miss one play of one game. But it's also frustrating because the inability to survive a loss is a frustrating reality. I mean, in my opinion, teams like Washington and Texas today are probably their their chances of making the playoff are uh, probably done. You, you think Washington? I mean, what an out of conference early season game against a really good team? That's that's survivable. It, it, it probably can be, can't lose again, but it's survivable. The problem, I, I, I agree. I think there, I think Texas is because Maryland, Maryland's going to be. I mean, Maryland. I mean, we can get into Texas. I mean, Maryland had a player pass away. Right. Their coach has been. I mean, it's like that. That's a bad loss. Like you can't explain it away is. that loss. That's a bad loss. And if App State had beaten Penn State, then yeah, Penn State yeah. would have been done. Those, I yeah, the, I, I'll give you those. But Washington, you know. First of all, Pac-12 not not great this year. No, and you look at their schedule; they don't have to play USC. Uh, you know, they it, to me, I was I was kind of anticipating and hoping UCLA could kind of rise. Well, yeah. they lost to Cincinnati yeah, last they're not, night. They're so not ready. That. They're so young. They're not yes. ready. And transitioning the styles and all that. Yep. Uh, I just think you look at their schedule, and it's it's not necessarily set up for. Uh, being able to survive that, especially now, you know, they need Auburn to go wreck shop, which I'm not sure they're going to even win their division, which that's also that also hurts things. But we talked about this last week, Mark, where the thing about college football is it's not necessarily who you lose to, it's when you lose. And and you, you have an opportunity to survive a loss and and maybe make it right. But I just don't love that college football becomes a game of Jenga. And I just don't <laughs> I don't know if that's how sports are meant to be played. That's you know a what I mean? great way to put it. I totally know what you mean. And I hear from fans on a weekly basis about how great is this? Like everybody will catch their breath after Penn State and then they'll go, how great is this? <laughs> and I'll go, okay, that was really fun. I mean, college football is kind of like a, a one-night stand. Yeah. I think it's really fun. <laughs> and the second it's over, you're like, oh, hell, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? That wasn't right. smart at all. This is, this is not working. This doesn't make sense for any of us here in our lives uh, because 
yeah, you'll get to the end of the game, and it, it is. It's a whole lot of fun, and it creates urgency, and there are people crying in the stands, and people, I just always want to hug them. It's really going to be okay. But right. anyway, um, it, 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 it gets to the end of the season, and, and it's all a mess, and college football seems to think that's funny because it creates all of this banter and, and attention and all these things. You call it a gift and a curse. I'll buy the premise. I'll simply say the curse is bigger than the gift. Because Agreed. if you look at the NFL, I'll ask you, do those games feel urgent? They do. To me, they do. Not quite as urgent. But, but not, they, no, not even close but, to the same as college. Right, but, but, but they still, feel, there's but some urgency. They feel urgent and right. fair. They mm-hmm. also feel fair. A loss doesn't end your season. You know that you're jockeying against the teams that are your geographical rivals. And if you can beat them, then in the end of the year, you're going to have a shot. And that's the way it should be because how many times have we watched? Heck, I went to an Orange Bowl, USC, Iowa, Carson Palmer's senior year. There's not a team in the country that would have touched USC at the end of that year. But they had lost two games, missed a field goal or something like that back in September, and therefore they were not able to be a part of the then BCS National Championship game or however the hell they finished it. And, and that's silly. They, they right. were the best team, and they weren't even on the map come the end of the year. Yeah, because I, I just it takes away from the whole idea of improving throughout the course of a season. I mean, my guess is Texas is going to be, you hope that they're going to be a different team come November than they were yesterday. And, 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 and that's, what's, that's what's hard about it. And, you know, because I, I always, we, we were talking last week about changes that you'd make to college football. And one of the things you always want to make sure that you're giving coaches and, and players is the feeling like they always control their own fate or their own destiny in some ways, where it, it, it certainly feels like now, and granted, Texas lost yesterday, but there isn't that like, okay, well, we can go win our conference, and as long as we do that, we're still going to have an opportunity to, to play for the whole thing. Right. And when you remove that from someone, like for me, I played at, I played at Creighton before Creighton moved into the Big East. They were the Missouri, Missouri Valley Conference, right? Did we, at the start of the year, Mark, did we think we're going to win the whole thing? Right. I, I mean, no. Not, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, we knew we had a shot. You know, like we just had to get in to the NCAA tournament, and then we've seen George Mason. We've seen, like, we, there's a chance. Yep. And I just hate the idea of remove like that. Hope is a powerful thing for athletes, coaches, human beings in general. I and mean, if you remove that from people, that's no fun. All right, Mark Willard, Nick Bob, Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, boy, there's a big time program that's a at least feels like they are closing in on getting ready to make a very big mistake. We'll tell you who that is coming up in just a second, but. Uh, I tell you what, I never feel like it's a mistake when we hand the baton to David Gascon for the latest out and about. What's going on today, bud? Was that sincere? Everything I, I say, <laughs> everything I say I is know. sincere. It's like a... If I am anything in this world, I am sincere, Dave. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we'll start things off in the National Football League. A couple of notes today on the L.A. Chargers. They've brought back tight end Antonio Gates. 
He's agreed on a one-year contract. The team has also waived backup quarterback Cardell Jones. They just released him, so they'll go with Geno Smith as a backup. Uh, the Denver Broncos have parted ways with Paxton Lynch. They cut him. He was a former first-round pick of the team just a couple years ago in 2016. New York Jeez. Giants have, have claimed defensive end Mario Edwards off of waivers today from the Oakland Raiders. Meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, Christian Yelich with a grand slam in the fifth inning for the Brewers. They were down 4-2, and now they're up 9-4. Game still in the top of the fifth inning from D.C. Tigers on top of the Yankees, 8-3. Victor Reyes has had himself a ball game. He was initially 2-2 two for two with a couple doubles and two runs batted in. He just hit a solo shot, though, in the sixth inning for Detroit. Again, they have a five-run advantage in that affair. Later on today, you get the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in the National League West. Those two teams are tied for the division lead. First pitch is about 30 minutes away. Walker Buehler versus Clay Buchholz in the pitching matchup. And then later on tonight, it'll be interesting. Angels are in Houston against the Astros. One note in this thing, Shohei Otani will be on the bump for the Halos. It's his first start since he's had that treatment on his elbow. So be something to look out for there. He's got a 4-1 record and ERA at 310 so far on the season. And one note in the National Hockey League, Vegas Golden Knights defenseman Nate Schmidt. He's been suspended for the first 20 games of the upcoming season for use of PEDs. Oh, man. I would love to see that Shohei Otani start. Too bad baseball season's over. What? Um, we'll have to wait for next year. <laughs> Maybe for you. Huh? Maybe for you. Well, for everybody. No, what do for, you mean? For you. Wasn't that, wasn't that the end of the season? Who won the World Series yesterday? Who, who, who won? Listen, I know you're a Giants fan, so you threw in the towel back in uh, <laughs> April or May, but uh, uh, plenty of baseball left for everybody else uh, in the country. I, I'll also say this, by the way, Dave, with your San Diego roots, so uh, Cardale Jones. Yes. Okay. I know it's not getting a lot of pub, but you know this Alliance of American Football deal that's going to start in February? Mike Martz. Okay. They are trying. I can't tell you who it is. They're <laughs> trying to get a quarterback – who everybody knows, it's a, it's a it's a name. It's a big name. Mm. If they get him, cool. If they don't, odds-on favorite, Cardale Jones. He will be the Alliance San Diego quarterback in February. Is he? Can you at least give us a hint? Like, is he a mobile quarterback, a pocket um, passer? He's a pocket passer with a little bit of movement skill. All right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just uh, just something fun to keep an eye on, especially since it's not baseball related. <laughs> And baseball season is over. <laughs> I- All right. Oh, live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So I do this a lot with the kids around the house, and they can tell. They can tell the difference. If they haven't finished their meal, they can tell the difference in the question based on tone. The question is, are you done with that? Depending on the tone, that might mean I want to throw it away. Yep. And it might mean, yo, I am still hungry and that looks delicious. <laughs> if you're not done, I'm about to crush the rest of your dinner. Yes. Okay? So you can tell uh, based on the tone and therefore you know. They know right away. Okay. If I give this up, dad's going to inhale it. In other words, this is something I don't want. But a lot of other people do, and it makes them think twice about giving it away. Hey, Michigan, you have a meal that you may not be done with. You are thinking about throwing it away. There will be a line around the block to eat your meal if you give it away. I'm talking about your head coach. Don't even 
think about it. I know you lost another big game yesterday. Don't even think about it. You move on from Jim Harbaugh. Here are two facts. He has another job by the morning, and your program's going backwards. 100%. Like the, the, a great way to think about uh, – I want every single Michigan fan to listen up, or really every college football uh, fan to think about this. A great way to think about how good your coach is is, uh, in my mind, it's called the open market test. So let's say right now – Every single college football coach became available. I think Jim Harbaugh is in the first four to five phone calls made. I mean, basically, after the coaches not named Saban and Urban and Dabo. Well, like probably, he, probably not Urban anymore. And probably, you probably yeah. take Urban out of there. Yep. I mean, so, yeah, you could sit. I get it, man. You know, year four, no conference titles, haven't beaten the – I get it. I, to, I hear you. I get it. But this idea that he, that Harbaugh is is oh boy you better punt on Harbaugh got to get him at it is just absurd. The guy is basically two plays away from everything being different. The bad spot against Ohio State. If, if that goes the other way, they win the Big Ten, go to the playoff. Then you had the insane play against Michigan State. Right. The punter drops a snap, and the Spartans are turning for a touchdown. I mean, just. Just every uh, Michigan fans, just take a deep breath and go for a walk and relax. Well, I, I, I agree with you, and I think about the in-game stuff, which is what we, we spend most of our time talking about. Um, I heard, you know, they were talking uh, this morning on Fox about, uh, I guess next week it'll be the one-year anniversary of the last time a Michigan wide receiver <laughs> caught a touchdown. Which is insane. Insane. And and so you'll blame Harbaugh for stuff like that, but I go, wait a minute. This isn't the in-game stuff. You just detailed it. He's right there in so many big games, and a lot of quirky things have not gone his way. My question with Jim Harbaugh, if I were to sit down in a private room with him, I would be, now what's going on with recruiting here? Like, Because when's the last – we used to have this – there used to be three or four of them every time Michigan took the field where you're like, oh, my gosh, that guy, I want to sit down and watch him play football, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Where are those guys? Right. I mean, I'm thinking of Peppers, you know, a, a year and a half ago. That was a guy. But but outside of that, and I know they've got Shea Patterson now, and we'll see what he can do at the quarterback position, but where are those elite Michigan skill position recruits I, I will ask that question of Jim Harbaugh totally I, I I totally get that where you you just feel like the elite dynamic athletes just really aren't there I felt the same way watching Texas I just felt like you remove the both bo- if they if they were to play shirts and skins for lack of a better term mm-hmm. in, in football like I wouldn't have known the difference between Maryland and Texas and that can't happen you know and and the same thing for Michigan I mean I just I I've thought their skill guys look just fairly uh, not very dynamic and so it's a totally valid question to say okay where are the dynamic athletes now Shea Patterson I thought showed some promise but I mean there are certain it's like how can how can Michigan be like last year how can you be lost at quarterback at Michigan right. like how can you right. not how can you not get it would be like Kentucky basketball not having a point guard or Duke not have like how can how can Mike Shashevsky or or John Calipari not recruit a point guard how can how can Jim Harbaugh at Michigan not have a quarterback 
And so I think those are, are valid questions. There's no, there's no question. But, but the, the question of is, is, is he the right guy or should we get rid of him, those are absurd questions. No, no, of course. And I know they're, they're going to beat Ohio State this year because when they play Ohio State, they will be one of my two favorite teams that day <laughs> right. that, uh, yep, because yep, who, yep. whoever plays Ohio State and whoever plays Alabama. All right. We are four nights away from a hell of a sporting event that took a very big turn yesterday. We'll tell you about that coming up next with Nick Bob, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. This program brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com today and find out if you could save. Okay, this is an interesting under-the-radar move in the NFL. The New York Giants just waived quarterback Davis Webb. Mm. Now, remember last year uh, when for a minute they're like, uh, okay, we're going to bench Eli Manning, and then they went with Geno Smith. and But, you know, Webb was still, even though he wasn't a major prospect, whenever you got a young quarterback who you haven't seen, well, there's curiosity. Maybe he's the heir apparent since they passed on Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and all of this, mainly Darnold, since they passed on Darnold and he ends up uh, in the same city with a different team, people are going to always now follow the arc of Saquon oh, Barkley yeah. and Sam Darnold. And so now the Giants are admitting, no, 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 this wasn't the guy either. So they officially do not have a guy. I mean, there were four teams that I really looked at in the NFL and I said, okay, I'm curious when you want to strike to say, we have our quarterback, we like our quarterback, but he's getting older, so we need to start planning for the future. There were four of them. One of them was the Patriots. They grabbed someone in the seventh round. Uh, don't know what that's going to all be, but you know, with the Garoppolo-Brady story, they mostly punted on the idea of being ready for Brady to depart. So did the Los Angeles Chargers, um, who have Geno Smith now as Phillip Rivers' backup. Uh, meantime, the Saints momentarily punted in the draft, but now have Teddy Bridgewater, and the Giants completely punted, even though Sam Darnold was was looking him right in the face. Those three teams, I mean, first of all, all of them are in that that group of teams that, that if there's a quarterback injury, their season is over, mm-hmm. and they don't feel ready. They don't feel ready for the next couple of years either. No. I agree. I, it's 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 hard at times, and and some franchises it just works out gracefully, and some it doesn't. To how, how do you transition into saying goodbye to a person that's been the face of your franchise, most important? Like like the Kobe Bryant Lakers thing was hard. Uh, it, I think the Colts were unbelievably lucky that Manning had the injury and here comes Andrew Luck so everybody just felt hunky-dory about everything that happened there. And I certainly don't think Eli Manning is viewed through the same lens uh, amongst Giants fans as maybe like Kobe to Lakers fans or Peyton to Colts fans. But nevertheless, he's been the trigger man for over a decade and it's hard to transition away from that. Do you, with the Giants, do you buy into like now with Barkley and now with OBJ healthy and all that? Like, do you think now all of a sudden Eli's going to look different? Do you buy that? Uh, well, he'll definitely look different than he did at the end of last sure. year. I mean, he had nothing to throw to. Um, so, yeah, Eli is that classic guy that always looks different than what you expect him to look. 
I mean, once everybody decided he was good, he goes out there and has games that are just total head scratchers. And then once you decide, oh, yeah, Eli's not good anymore, then he goes and wins a Super Bowl. I right. mean, that, that's, that's kind of – that's Eli Manning. So nothing would surprise me in the NFC East this year. Nothing. No. There's, no. Not, there's nothing that could happen in that division that would surprise me. Agree. Totally yeah. agree. Uh, keeping it in that division. So, and and, and speaking of uh, testy responses to uh, the media, <laughs> yeah. uh, Eagles coach Doug Peterson went that route today as well. However, uh, he wasn't shutting anybody down, saying it was a bad question, but he does not want to go deep into the quarterback situation. He did reveal, however, Carson Wentz still has mm-hmm. not yet been cleared for contact. We know that Nick Foles is going to start the opener. I'd be shocked if we don't have Foles for at least two or three weeks. And here's one thing I'm a big believer in in sports, because stuff happens all the time that doesn't make sense. Okay, I watched that entire App State-Penn State game last night. Um, there's not a player on the field uh, that, you know, if, not, if given the option, wouldn't be on the Penn State side as opposed to the App State side. But, and they were down by 14 in the fourth quarter. What happened? I don't know. What, whatever you want to call it, momentum, uh, you can call it energy. You, some people call it magic. I'm a believer in these things. And these things happened to the Eagles last year. The Eagles were a really good team. They weren't the clear-cut best team. Let's not forget, they ended up uh, having to go on the road to, uh, to Minnesota in order to win a game, and that would have been probably the case even with Carson Wentz. And Nick Foles did not look very good until the second quarter of that NFC title game. And then he caught fire, and the Patriots' defensive secondary is not that good anyway. The idea that that team is going to come back and look the same again is, is just, I mean, it's almost funny to me. Like, Nick Foles, whatever word you want to use, and it does even borderline on spiritual, if you want to call it momentum, if you want to say that the you know energy was on his side, there was just some sort of building, cosmic force, whatever it was, that dude had it. But if you've watched every other point of his career and the preseason this year, like Nick Foles is not going to – I am not expecting – I shouldn't say he won't because I don't know. I am yeah. not expecting him to come out on Thursday night and look like the guy in the Super Bowl. No, no. And I think uh, – you get into that – it's weird how – it's weird how – luck it gets a bad rap in sports like luck is a part of it luck is a part of of almost every single championship run it, it, it's it's not necessarily meant to take anything away but it's the truth i mean remember in the in the uh in the atlanta playoff game julio jones has a touchdown go through his hands yep that would have beaten Philly. Now, Julio Jones catches that nine times out of ten. I call that luck, but that's a part of it. I mean, Minnesota has to have a miracle play with Stephon Diggs to advance. I think if you take Breeze on, it's maybe a little different than Case Keenum. I mean, you got to give it to him with what they did with New England. Give him credit there. But here's how I would look at it. For, for you, Mark, if you, if you did ten radio shows, okay, and eight of them are like average to bad, but you had one great hour. How do you think your boss would view you? <laughs> I don't think he'd be my boss for very long. Yeah, he, he'd go, I don't think he'd be my boss for very long. Yeah, he'd go, yeah. Uh, it's, this Mark no, guy's pretty average. This, That's Foles. This, you know? is, this, like, is, this is true in, in, in maybe in other sports even more so than football, but it's true. It's 100% true in all these things. Tiger Woods will come out and tell you going into a major tournament – 
hey, uh, you know, what do, what do you want to do out there? Well, I, th- this club is really important on this course. Um, you know, here's one thing I'm working on. And, oh, by the way, I need breaks. Yep. yep. I need breaks. He needs that. I, I'll, I'll think to this. Uh, do you remember when the Giants beat the Royals in the World Series, the Madison Bumgarner yep. Game 7? Yep. Here's what no one ever remembers about that game. I think it was tied at one in the fourth inning. And Michael Morse, little-used Michael Morse, came up and fought off a fastball in his hands, and the ball flew up in the air, and it just barely went beyond the outstretched gloves of the first and the second baseman, and it landed in a right field. And it scored a run, and the Giants took a 2-1 to lead. It was only the fourth inning. Nobody really thought much of it at that moment. Yep. Guess what? Amen. It was the game-winning hit in a yep. World Series because Bumgarner came in, and the rest was history. You're going to tell me there wasn't luck involved in that? I, I, I mean, uh, uh, absolutely 100%, of course, there is. Okay, with Nick Baugh, Mark Willard, just getting started. Alex Marvez next hour, and we haven't even talked about the Raiders yet, <laughs> but we oh, will boy. next. Alex Marvez in a half hour. You ready for the tweet of the day? You ready? Give it to me. Here Give it, it to is. me. <laughs> uh, Kevin Clark, NFL for the ringer. Here it is. The Raiders truly are Las Vegas' team. Because every time I go to Vegas, I have no plan, lose every asset I have very quickly, and have no idea what the hell happened. <laughs> Doesn't that describe the last 48 hours for the Oakland Raiders slash yes. Las Vegas Raiders? That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. I mean, the, the, this, this was not good, okay? This was, this was not good at all. And, you know, we, we were talking a lot about it yesterday when it goes down, Khalil Mack going to the Bears. I, I, I just feel like in sports, there, there's, there's rule number one. And rule number one is you do whatever you can to keep your stars. Yep. I mean, there's got to be NBA franchises looking at what just happened, and they went, what? What? I mean, when an NBA star is available, you have a line around the block, and everybody just goes, okay, whatever we're allowed to pay you, we'll pay you. There's no, there's no negotiation. It's not like the Lakers had LeBron out and said, okay, <laughs> what would you like? And, well, here's our counteroffer. No, 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 the number's already set. Whatever you can make, we'll give it to you. And NFL teams, they don't do it that way, Nick. And, no. and you know, sometimes that might be the correct thing. This was not one of these times. This was their best player. Right. I, I, you know, speaking of the ringer, I was reading Michael Lombardi's uh, – Yeah. He, he, he wrote up an interesting take on it, which, you know, he has interesting perspective. And, I, and I, it's always interesting to get a guy that's, you know, made those sorts of decisions. And you know, he talked about, hey, Gruden clearly has a philosophy of, I'm not going to pay anyone other than a quarterback $20 million a year. And, like, okay, I get that to a certain extent. But how about this for a philosophy? Don't trade away all pro Hall of Fame caliber players in their prime, especially when they don't have any red flags of, like, injury issues or personal personality oh. flaws, especially when it's in a position of importance. You know, like, I, 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 to be honest with you, like, I get the hesitation to back the Brinks truck up to Le'Veon Bell. Like, I get that. Yes. Like, I'm like, I, I understand that stage of the career running back, but Khalil Mack, like, you pay that man and I mean that that those negotiations should have lasted all but like oh I don't know ten minutes to come to a, a, a the, the right number and get that dude on the roster and ready to rock. Well, and then there's also the thought that's like oh, but they got all this draft capital, which yeah. uh, you know is a bunch of maybes. But 
you forget about the draft capital they gave up. Sure, they got a one each of the next two years. They also gave up a two. Don't forget about the three they just gave up a couple of months ago for Martavis Bryant, which turned into absolute hot air. So the the, the Raiders essentially, uh, they took a two and a three, and they, they turned them into two ones and a three and yep. lost their best player. And somehow, yep. somehow they're pitching this to everybody. You know, and then they also just traded a fifth for uh, for AJ McCarron, and it's like, I mean, you know, that could end up being a nice move with the Derek Carr injury history. I think AJ McCarron's a good uh, a good player, but they sent a lot of draft capital out as well, and uh, and they lost their best player. And, yep. and by the way, I think to your point, a, a very popular player. This was a clubhouse leader. This was a locker room guy. Um, I, I think that the Raiders are going to have to almost do some in house public relations over the next couple of weeks well I, I that was that was the first thing did you see Derek Carr's tweet yesterday yes I did simply said no way no way that's your franchise quarterback I think I think Bruce Irvin wrote the same thing but he yes. had a different word in between <laughs> yeah, wasn't it yeah yes. no no something yeah. way yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah, like that yeah I think that's what it no 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 way yeah that, that's and so Sometimes I don't know how much that stuff matters. I mean, I think in the NFL you're dealing with these are these are grown ups, mature men, understand the business aspect of things. But at the end of the day, I have to imagine. You know, how we see those like meetings and hard knocks where Hugh Jackson's up there and he's explaining this and that. Like, I'd have to imagine that John Gruden's got some explaining to do in front of that whole team where it's like, okay, you better break this down to us in a way that we are at least going to be able to walk out of here and not necessarily agree with it, but understand. And that's, I mean, this was a team captain, good dude, again, their best player that just got shipped out not the best first impression for a guy that, oh, by the way, has been away from head coaching for a decade. Not only that, don't forget... He's getting $100 million, which is exactly what Khalil Mack wanted guaranteed. And somehow the Raiders don't seem to be backing away from this faux narrative that's running around that they don't have any money. It's a bunch of bull. Don't buy it for one second. Just because Mark Davis isn't the richest owner, the idea that they just flat out didn't have the, the, the capital. Go to Andrew Brandt's Twitter, somebody who's a capologist and used to do NFL contracts. He'll tell you that's laughable. So now you're Gruden. Not only have you been gone for a decade, you come back, you get $100 million guaranteed, and on your watch, the best player who wanted the exact same amount of money as you just got gets shipped out of town, and you're supposed to look those players in the eye and say, mm. yeah, sorry, we just didn't have the money. Yeah, we might not have the money because of you. Yeah, I don't exactly. care what John Gruden does as a coach. He's not going to be as important to that team as Khalil Mack. Amen to that. I mean, ultimately, the, the guys on the field are the ones that are making it happen. I mean, not to say that head coaches don't matter. They obviously do. But I, I just can't even sit here if I had to create a scenario or try to sell you right now on how this would, would land positively in that locker room. I don't see on multiple levels how this lands positively at all. And we all know in a, in a sport like football, I mean, all it takes is for a few things to not go well, and if you lose that locker room, forget it. And especially if you lose the quarterback, if he's not all in, which, I mean, that it's 
a guy like Carr, especially guys that you know understand and and uh, the social media media uh, and the the weight that it carries, you better believe he knew he knew what he was tweeting. You know what I mean? Like, of course, that is, that of is course. I I I don't care that uh, I'm sure my my uh, coach Gruden isn't going to like this, the franchise isn't going to like this, but you know what? I don't like this that Mac is out, so I'm going to let it be known. Look. NFL players, people need to know this about NFL players versus players of other sports. They do inherently walk around with a different level of a chip on their shoulder. And it it makes 100% sense. First of all, their game is brutal. So it already takes a certain personality to even walk out on that field. Second of all, they don't get paid and taken care of like the other sports do. I mean, as much as we sit here and go, whoa, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald broke the bank. (laughs) Guess what? Add their two guarantees together, and you just got about half what Bryce Harper's going to get in three months. Sure. Okay? So they're going to walk around with a chip on their shoulder. They already, no sport has a bigger distrust between player and owner. No sport. And so now you do this to a locker room, where your owner is crying poor when the state of Nevada just wrote him a check for a billion dollars and you used a tenth of it to hire a coach? And you're going to tell me you don't have any money for your best player? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, too, this is a really – so uh, just to you know let people behind the curtain a little bit, Nick and I are not in the same city right now. We're in separate studios. Nick, where I'm sitting, the people who are running this show in our production room are all Raiders fans. Oh no! And so, at any moment, uh, this show could just go to commercial. I, I have it like I'm. I, I the whole segment. I'm sitting here going. At any moment, we're just going to yep. get cut off. Yep, that's fine. Okay, as long I'm glad you let me know, just so I, I know that uh, if, if if things just just all of a sudden get the rug get pulled out from under us, I know what the deal is. Here. You should see uh, the looks on their faces right now. <laughs> They're so mad. They're so mad. Now, Wally has called in from Las Vegas, the future home of the Raiders. And, uh, and, and he believes this to just be an absolutely wonderful trade. Uh, let's go to Wally. Wally, thanks for calling. You're on with Mark and Nick. What's up? Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, I think you guys both have a negative opinion on this trade. And I really think you're being <laughs> How could you tell, time. Wally? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, the bottom line is no one in 30 years in the NFL has traded two first-round picks for a defensive player. There's a reason for that. It's stupid, and you're never going to win a Super Bowl if you do that. I have a different reason. Wally, can I offer a different reason? Khalil Mack is a generational talent. That's why. Okay. He's not even the best defensive player in the league. uh, That's debatable. I mean, you want to give me Aaron Donald or Vaughn Miller. Listen, if I gave you five fingers, Khalil Mack's one of them uh, without question. Okay, so here's the other reason no one's ever done it. People like Khalil Mack are never available. Teams do not make that guy talented, perfect in the locker room, no injury history in his prime. Who makes that guy available? Okay, here's the, here's the second reason why it never happens. You've also never had a team with a defensive player that's over 10% of your salary cap and win a Super Bowl. It doesn't happen. You don't do it. It's fine if the Raiders weren't going to have to pay the guy $100 million guaranteed starting next year. That's the problem. So if you're not going to offer him 
you got to get something, and they got two first round picks. Well, it's I, a phenomenal I, trade. I just Wally, listen. Uh, there's, I grant you, I will offer you this. You tell me the team that wouldn't take their last two first round picks, turn them into human beings. Forget the whole sex appeal of a first round pick. Take your last two first round picks. Would you trade them for Khalil Mack? And I promise you, I promise you, almost every team would. I promise you. Wally, thank you for calling. We understand you're a Raider fan. (laughs) And and I said it yesterday on the air. Most Raider fans, they have to go through their stages of grief, and most of them are still in stage one, which is denial. And, And Wally's still there. I congratulate Ryan on our board. He's gone past it. The only reason he hasn't sent us to break is because he knows... Oh, wow, Mark's mic has died. I don't know oh, what's going on oh, here. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's so weird. What happened? No, you, you, know, you know we're right. You know we're right. Tell you what, if we're right, um, if we're right, then go to break right now on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> I'm seeing it on social media as well. Our buddy John Middlecoff, who does some work with us here at Fox Sports Radio is fending off somebody called Ghost Raider on Twitter. <laughs> Ghost Raider says, this is just food for the media. Move on. No, we're, still a, to see here. we're still a solid team. Okay. Yeah, solidly in fourth place in the AFC West. My Middlecoff gosh. responds and goes, well, it's just one of the biggest trades in sports history. Those don't just go away the next day. That's not how this works. And, uh, and it's not. It's, uh, it's not how it works. So uh, all eyes are going to be on Gruden to see how he handles this. Um, you, you, uh, you asked an interesting question as we're talking about NFL coaches earlier. You said, listen, if we all agree, and we do, that Bill Belichick is the top coach in the NFL, who's number two? Here's something I've noticed about you and I and the shows that we've done together. We see a lot of things through the same lens. I know. Like we I know. did it's that kind of scary. Yeah, we did that that NFL thing last week. Yeah. Where uh what was it the the of the eight last place teams last year, how many of them could make the playoffs this year? We had the exact same list. <laughs> I mean exact same list. So I wonder if we have the exact same answer here. If Belichick's one, who's two? I had a really hard time with okay. this. Okay. I mean, I, I spent a ridiculous amount of time looking up different things, thinking about it. I, I, I even went out, stood on my deck for a little bit. Thought, oh, you did? For, yeah, I had to really think about this. Wow, you had like a, a life moment. Yeah, you know, the, it was the, you know, the sequence in a movie where I'm like walking and I'm staring at like a lake and I'm really contemplating what my, See, what my decision is Okay, be now here, I'm you know? interested because when you asked this question, my answer came to mind in two seconds. Really? Okay. To, and, and then I had to go team by team to make sure I wasn't forgetting something, and I have now confirmed that the answer that came to me in two seconds is my answer. I so for me and this and here's the thing maybe the fact that I had to uh, I took so long I, I started to outthink myself. <laughs> I I arrived at a guy that has hasn't won a Super Bowl. Oh gosh, me too. Yeah, it's going to be the same oh, guy. Oh no, don't I, you? No. I, I, okay, I one said, second. Okay, go ahead. I said Andy Reid. 
No way. Please tell me that's not who. It's the exact same oh, guy. Oh, Mark. It's, it's the a, same do you guy. Not know, do you not know how, how radio and TV works now? Yeah. It's supposed to be two guys that disagree. I know. Kay? We're screwing everything up. We Gosh. need we need Nick Saban to call in. Yeah, so, right. So he yell can yell at us. And, and uh, yeah, that, that, would, uh, that would help the controversy on the show. No, he... He is, and it came to mind right away. And then I'm like, "Let's go team by team." Am I forgetting anyone? And I don't, I don't think we are. I don't, I don't either. I don't think we are. I don't either. I just, you know, I, I first of all, I value the fact that he's been able to get it done at two different places. Mm-hmm. I value that he was able to when he when he arrived in Kansas City, he's been able to build a consistent winner playoffs for the last five years. With Alex Smith. I mean, no, no disrespect to Alex Smith, but I mean, it's one thing, you know, I, like when I was thinking about some other great coaches, I said, okay, Sean Payton. All right, he's got Breeze. Now, yep. I don't want to hold that against him, but you got Breeze. Mike Tomlin. Well, you have Big Ben. I mean, Pete Carroll. Well, you know, you, you had a great defense. You kind of backed into Russell Wilson. Like, I just think what Andy Reid has done for him to be able to build a consistent winner over the course of almost 20 years and. And to do it at two different spots, and then most recently do it with a guy like Alex Smith, who's at best, you know, an average starter in the in the NFL, to me is really, really impressive. Well, and here's what I'll add to that: it is one of the most overrated things in sports, and it's really hard to get across to people because the minute you say it, everyone goes, "Ah, oh, come on!" But one of the most overrated things in sports is the way we look at someone who does have a ring. Versus doesn't have a ring. Right. right. That is so quirky, circumstantial, out of the hands of one human being, especially in football. And the examples are all over the place. Okay? If we had a draft today, like a real draft, not a fantasy draft, we had a draft today, and all the teams needed to pick their quarterback first, who do you think goes first? Phillip Rivers or Eli Manning? Right. There's right. no question. The NFL mm-hmm. knows that Phillip Rivers is a better player than, than Eli Manning. And even Eli Manning's Super Bowls, like he threw a ball up in the air and somebody <laughs> blindly fell and stuck it in his helmet. And then, he won a, and then he won a Super Bowl. And everyone's like, well, he's a great. It's like, wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, if there's anything in the world that's circumstantial, it was that. And I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm simply actually adding to some of the guys who haven't gotten over the top and saying, you don't need that in my mind to be great. I agree. I, I, I mean, well, look at it. Look no further than than Tom Brady. I mean, he's a he's a few vinitary kicks and Seattle literally going brain dead at the goal line and throwing a slant instead of handing the ball to Marshawn Lynch from his whole uh, postseason and Super Bowl legacy looking different. So I didn't I didn't need to see. Uh, Russell Wilson throw an interception to Malcolm Butler for me to go. I think Brady's pretty good. Right. I, I, you know what? I think right. he's a pretty good quarterback. Well, and look at look, look around at some of the other guys we talk about. It's almost like uh, our handcuffs came off when Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees got one, and both of yep. them were razor thin mm-hmm. Super Bowl victories. And Brees has even felt like you know they were an underdog, and there was the onside kick, and you're like, oh my gosh. But thank goodness he's got his, his ring, and so now we can speak about him the way we want to speak about him because they, they win our fantasy leagues for us every year, and we think they're the best. In fact, <laughs> people will tell, oh, Aaron Rodgers is actually the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, but you're not allowed to say it 
unless he's got a ring. Well, I think that's silly. Here's another one. How about this? Peyton Manning. It's almost as if, thank goodness, even though he was awful the whole year, thank goodness he limped his way alongside a phenomenal Bronco defense to a Super Bowl victory so that we could tell everyone, oh, he's a multiple Super Bowl winner. Because we all know that Peyton Manning is great enough to be in that air. But we had some sort of hard time. There was always a but. Oh, Brady gets him and he loses the big game and in the cold weather and all this. Oh, thank goodness the Bronco defense carried him to another Super Bowl. So now we can be like, yes, he Come is on. one of the top five or six quarterbacks of all time. I didn't need, I didn't need that, that quirky Broncos performance in order to no. say that. I know that. You can use your eyes. Right. Just, just say this out loud. Peyton Manning's worst season as a starter, he won a Super Bowl. Right. You know, I mean, so it's like his worst season as a starting quarterback, he won a Super Bowl. And somehow that's supposed to elevate or, I mean, and and arguably Brady's best year in his career was probably 07 and they lose. So I I just think we have to be able to. I mean, I, I, my, my mom and my, a, a six-year-old can, can just, if it's just about rings and about championships, well, then what are we even debating? You know, I mean, then, then, then Bill Russell's the best ever, and Robert Ory's better than this guy, right. and, and Eli's better than Philip Rivers. I mean, you have, to take, you have to dive into it and move past just that to be able to have some of these conversations. So I initially said, okay, am I really going to put the second-best coach as a guy that's never won the Lombardi Trophy? Yeah, I am. Yeah, because- I think he's really good. Yep, I agree. Now, there are some really good young ones that, uh, at this point, all I'll say is they're showing really good signs. Like, for Sean McVay to go in and, and with the same players, do what he did last year following Jeff Fisher, I would say I am upward bullet, very optimistic on where that's going. And I think Kyle Shanahan might be another one. When you start to look at what, just what quarterbacks do under Kyle Shanahan and how Garoppolo looked with him and how Matt Ryan looked with him and how Matt Ryan looks without him. I'm high on those guys. It's way too early. I'm older than them. <laughs> okay. I'm older than these guys. So like it's way too early to have those conversations. But there are other guys I'm high on. But I I, I look when I looked up and down the league when you asked that question, I, I mean for me it's actually pretty easy. Like I don't I do not see anybody else that for me is even debatable to be right. uh, holding that number two slot outside of Andy Reid. Yeah, I wonder, and, and granted, fans are fans, and people, we live in a, in a time where you're only as good as your last game. But, like, do they, a lot, I mean, Eagles fans understand that, like, Andy Reid's, like, a way better coach than Doug Peterson. Right? Well, like, they get e- that, right? Okay, Eagles fans are just mad. Okay. I just, just, I just want just, to just ask the question. Yeah, like, they're great sports fans. Uh, it's a <laughs> wonderful city. But you wake up there and you poke your head out of the house and you're looking for what's wrong. Right. Like, that's, just, that's been, and again, that's not everybody. That's been in my experience. I've been there many times. I have a lot of friends from there. That's, that's my experience with their, especially their sports outlook. You know what I mean? Like, the Eagles, yep. if the Eagles lose Thursday night, you're going to get the let's go Sixers chance. Okay, if they <laughs> if they're pass. losing yeah. in the third quarter, these reigning Super Bowl champions, there will be let's go Sixers chance. In other words, meaning like, well, that's the end of that yeah, season. It's over. So that's Stunned. that's just Philly. Andy Reid's a great coach. Donovan great coach. McNabb's a great quarterback, 
and T.O. is a great receiver, and Chip Kelly is not as bad as you think. That's what I would say to everybody in Philadelphia. Amen. Uh, (laughs) All right. With Nick Bob, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio, Alex Marvez in two minutes, David Gascon right now. And David is going to give us the latest on Tiger Woods, who is playing golf right now. We'll start things off, guys, in the National Football League because it is football season. That's right. Golf is – that is the thing of what January and February yeah, and March. No, no, golf is over in April. It, yeah, last baseball's week. over right too. Baseball's, baseball's over. Uh, yep. Baseball's okay. just taking a. How did a, your Dodgers do this year, uh, uh, Dave? Uh, well, they they they're in the hunt. I guess one could say since. Uh, well, how can you baseball, be in the hunt when the season's over? Baseball, <laughs> baseball typically in LA is played in, into September and even October. Oh, I know, it is. I know it San is. Francisco. Ah. It's like a year in, a year out. Yeah, you know, it's kind of. Yeah. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Let me blow on the three rings. You do an update. Go ahead. You go there ahead. Go. I don't know what rings you earned. Uh, I don't know if you're in the bullpen or, or what, uh, <laughs> locking down that uh, that game for Madison Bumgarner against the Royals. But anyways. Just in my in the stands, losing my voice. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, guys, in Major League Baseball, i got a handful of games that are in progress. Tigers are all over the Yankees, 11-5. to This game's in the ninth inning. Uh, Christian Yelich with a grand slam for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they lead the Nationals right now, nine to four. Blue Jays went final. They beat the Marlins six to one in that contest. White Sox are lighting up the Red Sox, six to nothing. Reds, Cardinals tied two up. A's trailing the Mariners now one to nothing, and just underway from LA, Diamondbacks and Dodgers. They are tied for the division lead in the National League West. And then later on tonight, Shohei Otani will make his return to the mound for the Halos. They'll get the Astros tonight. Otani versus Garrett Cole in that pitching match. Uh, in the National Football League, a couple of notes here. Antonio Gates comes back to the L.A. Chargers, a one-year deal. He's 38 years of age. Bolts did release quarterback Cardell Jones. Broncos have cut Paxton Lynch. He was a first-round pick for the team back in 2016. Gentlemen, back to you. All right, beautiful day. By the way, I have a quick question about your Dodgers. What's up? So the Diamondbacks and Dodgers both have identical 74-62 records. Yes. And they're about to play each other. Yes. And I'm on the standings page online for baseball right now. They are playing right now. And they, you know, there are playoff odds, like a playoff percentage chance that a team will make the playoffs now That's in correct. the standing. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Dodgers are at 83.9%. <laughs> yeah. And the Diamondbacks are at 37.4. Yeah. How the hell is it? They have the same record. I don't get it. How is that possible? A a week ago when the Dodgers were four and a half games back in Arizona and in third place, their odds of making the playoffs were 60%, and Arizona's was like 35 <laughs> What, have they got 20 games against the Padres coming up against or something? What is, what's going on? I have no idea right, on that. That's bizarre. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, all right, thanks, Dave. You we're bet. live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico.com or call 800-947-AUT-ONLY. Hard part. Figuring out which way is easier. Serious XM NFL radio and a great Twitter follow at Alex Marvez. He's joining us live right now here on Fox Sports Radio. And, Alex, we've been teasing Raider fans all over the country saying that I don't know how many stages of grief there are. I think there's like four or five. But most of the ones I've talked to are still in stage one, which is denial. And I wonder if you'd explain to all of the Raider fans how awful of a day yesterday was. And it continues an awful offseason, in my opinion. Look, if you believe in John Gruden and the roster moves that he's making and that he, that he in the long run, is going to be better off trading an elite-level pass rusher who has never missed a game in the NFL, who has performed at a high level over the past three seasons, who has done everything right for this organization, on and off the field, if you believe 
that you will be better off in the long run with the two first-round draft picks that you're picking up, uh, you know, and the cap space created to make other roster moves, then yesterday wasn't a terrible day for you. But for the 99.9% other <laughs> Raider fans out there, it was a horrible day. You put, you throw that, you know, you look at what they did with Martavis Bryant. You've traded a third-round pick for a guy who's not even on your team and who's going to be suspended for a year. You now trade a fifth-round pick for A.J. McCarron. You go through an entire offseason wasting time on quarterbacks who aren't even going to be on your team. So, I mean, you know, we just go on and on here. Oh, and by the way, the average age of the Raiders roster this year, 27.3 years old. It is one of the oldest rosters we've seen in some time in the NFL. I'm not really sure what John Gruden's plan. Actually, here's where John Gruden's plan sort of fell apart. He, he set up all of his coaches fine. You know, he has good coordinators, Rich Passaccia, formerly of the Cowboys. You know, Greg Olson, someone who's worked with him. His defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, really well-respected, should be, should be able to do a good job there. The problem for him is that, that John didn't have a general manager that he's in lockstep with. I've seen this happen with Nick Saban. I've seen you know college coaches who come in. If you don't have a guy in the front office who can push back a little bit, who can tell you, nah, this isn't such a good idea, here's why, and have a vision for the types of players that you want, forget it. I, it, it just makes the, the battle so much tougher to build a team. And in this case, with Reggie McKenzie, it's pretty obvious. Reggie's plan would have been getting Khalil Mack signed, and I don't doubt that he would have gotten it done. In this case, not done. The Raiders are a lesser team for it. Well, all right. So uh, on the other side, what what does this trade for Kalir Mack do for Chicago? Well, right now in Vegas, it's one win. I mean, you if go. you notice, the odds jump. The the Bears over under on wins was six point five. Now it's seven point five. <laughs> so so he's worth a win. I, I mean, so they, they, that's you know sort of an interesting way of looking at it. Look, they haven't had an, an elite level outside pass rusher in a real long time. I mean, you got to go back. You know, Joyous Peppers was that guy for a little bit, but he wasn't the same Julius Peppers, and toward the end, it wasn't working out there. They've tried for a while with this. You know, Jared Allen, toward the end of his career, just wasn't, uh, wasn't very good there either. You know, but now you've got Leonard Floyd, and to match him up with Khalil Mack, a guy who will, you know, I think thrive in this 3-4 defense put in by Vic Fangio. And see, the thing for the Bears is they're really solid across the defensive line. Akeem Hicks, one of the great underrated players in our game, they're really solid in the secondary, and in fact, their young safety duo of Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson might be the best young combination in the NFL at those, at those spots together, throw in solid inside linebacking and the impact what Roquan Smith should make, and you're going to be pretty darn good. This was a top-10 defense as it was yardage-wise last year, despite the ineptitude on offense, and you've got to figure the offense is going to be better, better with Matt Nagy coming in and the huge investment that the Bears have made into the skill position talent. So, all of a sudden, I'm liking them. I'm not so sure, you know, the, the, the Bears seem to me to be a team on the way up. And think about it like this, too. Everyone else in the NFC North has veteran contracts uh, for quarterbacks, and they are taking up large percentages of their salary cap. Not the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky's only in a second NFL season. So even though they already took on Khalil Mack, you could see the Bears even taking on some more guys over the next year or two until you have to pay Trubisky. This really could help tip the shift of power the balance of power, rather, in the NFC North. Alex Marvez with us, Fox Sports Radio. Alex, what are the 49ers doing in their backfield now with the loss of Jarek McKinnon? Uh, it's Alfred Morris for right now, right? And, and, you know, what you have to look at, too, is, okay, 
Is Tevin Coleman someone that they could potentially get away from the Atlanta Falcons if they got really nervous about it? Because Tevin, you know, is in the final year of his contract. Ito Smith, I think, had a, a good preseason for the Falcons. I'm not sure if he's ready to be Devontae Freeman's backup full-time, but it's hard sometimes when you're a contending team to trade players, especially if you know you may see Tevin Coleman again in the postseason if you go to the 49ers. And the reason I mention him is because he has a history with Kyle Shanahan. You're looking for that one-cut-and-go type runner. And Alfred Morris will be the guy for right now, but don't kid yourself. This is a huge setback for the 49ers. They really thought Jarek McKinnon was going to be a do-it-all running back. They believed that he could you know, stay on the field all three downs. So now you you know you could sniff around the trade market, see what's available. I don't think anything is overwhelming on on the waiver wire. I don't think there's very many good backs available in free agency. It puts even more on Jimmy Garoppolo's plate uh, to, to carry this offense. It's a shame. It's a shame for Jarek McKinnon, and it's a shame for the 49ers that the young man tore his ACL in practice. Alex, what's the latest with Earl Thomas in Seattle, and when the dust settles, wh- where does he end up, in your opinion? I, I still think he's with the Seahawks until until – one of two things happens. A team gets desperate at safety and says, okay, we're going to trade you this third-round pick for Earl, and knowing that we might have a one-year rental player. Because Earl Thomas, remember, like with Khalil Mack, you know, when they made the trade, obviously the Bears must have been given permission beforehand by the Raiders to start negotiating contract to make sure that the money was going to be okay with the Bears, right? I mean, you don't just trade for the guy and then all of a sudden, nah, I'm not going to sign the deal. And, and you know, that, that's a mess. So Seattle's going to have to give permission to an agent, you know, to Earl Thomas's agent, to feel, okay, if my guy gets traded, how much more are you going to pay him? Because he's not happy playing for $8.5 million this season, and he wants a contract extension. So if that isn't scaring teams off, the compensation of what the Seahawks are asking is. And, you know, what the Seahawks are doing is what the, the Raiders initially planned to do with Khalil Mack until being blown away by trade offers, which was, hey, look, you're under contract for $13.9 million. You're still going to make good money. We don't have to do anything because we own your rights contractually. Well, it's the same thing for the Seahawks now, and, and obviously it's an ugly deal, and, and Earl Thomas, you know, the other thing is this, too, you know, at some point, if, are you cutting off your nose to spite your face? Because if you bring Earl Thomas back in your locker room and he's disgruntled, you've brought in all these new guys trying to change the culture. You've gotten rid of Richard Sherman. You've gotten rid of Michael Bennett. I mean, all these new guys are in there as they try to reinvent themselves in Seattle. If you have someone who's not happy, who doesn't want to be there, who's just playing out the string for a year, I mean, even though Earl Thomas will show up on Sundays and be professional and be a, a great player still you got to wonder is that's really what you want to do as a seahawks i think the problem they have they should have cut bait earlier in the off season they didn't and now everyone's losing earl thomas is about to lose a lot of money because he's not showing up for work and the seahawks are a lesser team in his absence alex great stuff as always we appreciate you as always thank you and we'll do it again for real next week yes thank we you. will oh my <laughs> gosh that's right we'll have games to talk Jeez. about that's weird can't, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> All right, there he goes, Alex Marvez, Fox Sports Radio, with Nick Bob, Mark Willard. And coming up next, uh, Nick, we we need to put this whole we see everything the exact same to a further test. Uh-oh. So just last week, we took the eight last place teams and predicted which three could make the playoffs this year. We came up with the exact same three. How about this? Let's predict all eight last place teams this year, and if that's totally oh, even, yeah, then if we need that's to, totally even, know. then uh, we need to go back out on your deck and rethink our lives. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm with it. Okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. All we right. got. I mean, we we're gonna have to start. You know, go go house hunting together if this if this is what happens. Awkward. Here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. That's next on Fox Sports Radio. All right, Mark. Mark Weather, Nick Ball, Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico 
Says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago, especially with the turnover in college football. I am about as, uh, you know, uneducated of an analyst for college football. I mean, uh, you know, in terms of predictions, I can sit here and, and we can watch stuff and we can talk about stuff, but I could not tell you, uh, you know, who's the linebacking core for LSU tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know anything about this game? And what, what are you thinking about this game that starts here in a couple hours? Well, I think it's the it's the beginning of the end of Ed Orgeron, who's the head coach at LSU, who felt like they settled on a guy that kind of looked like them and sounds like them when, in all reality, I don't think he's uh, qualified to have a job like LSU's. And I think tonight kind of begins the unraveling of uh, what is his second year at LSU. I think he ultimately gets let go at the, uh, at the end of the year. And then Mark Rick, obviously with Miami, uh, he was at Georgia and just, I mean, he's like your class. He's like the Phil Mickelson who just ran into Tiger all the time. It's like he just ran into Saban and Bama all the time. And ultimately, he, he parts ways with Georgia and uh, he's got it rolling a little bit at Miami. Yep. So, uh, th- so there you go. How about that? How about, uh, how about those, that? That was some good stage? breakdowns. So yeah. I got out of there that you know the, the coaches for both of the teams. And, uh, and and that I could have also named. But, yeah, well, like outside of the, like put it this way. If you open up, uh, you know, a, a sports page, uh, you know, in your browser here today, you're going to see Miami 8 versus LSU 25. Right. See, I reject the numbers. I reject. They're, they're, it's Miami and LSU, and they're great programs, and we think they're going to be good they are not the 8th and 25th best teams yet because they haven't played football yet. Right. So I, I, I don't look at it from that perspective like, ooh, we got two top 25 teams. Well, we'll see. Like, right. let, let's, let's find out. It, the, the thing with, uh, with, with LSU that's interesting is, the, is their quarterbacks, Joe Burrow. He's an Ohio State uh, graduate transfer. He lost out on the quarterback battle, or at least Urban Meyer wouldn't name him the starter at the end of spring ball. And so he sat behind JT Barrett for years now, and now he'll get his first career start taking on uh, Miami, which is going to be tough. Do you know what? How about this, Mark? Do you know what I did last night? You want to know? You want to know what my night entailed? Okay, Nick Boz, uh, Saturday today, Sunday, right? Saturday yes. night. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is. I sat. It's give and go. Give, give, give and go. Okay. Give, See, this go, is what happens go, when a Raiders go, fan. When a Raiders fan becomes verklempt during a show, it becomes frustrated, like flustered. Uh, you you've been gotten got is what just yeah, happened, Ryan. That's what happened. See, like, so we like just calm down and 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 just wait a second. <laughs> Nick was going to say something about his Saturday night, and then we'll get to the, the fun thing and the button that you can push. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> Go back to your like- don't go back to your Derek Carr fantasy rankings, Nick. What what, what was it you want to say here? So last night I spent uh, I was I was at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, getting ready for Nebraska and Akron, and it was canceled because of a, a of rain and thunderstorms. So I sat in the stadium for an hour, getting rained on, waiting for this football game to occur, which never happened, and ultimately I drove home in the rain. Have Have you ever Have you ever been to a football game that has gotten Canceled, canceled because, of, because weather. of weather. No, I can't say that I have, but I can say 
with a pathetic Saturday night like that, you are officially qualified to be a sports radio host. Yes. Congratulations, yes. Nick Baugh. That also means you're qualified for the give and go. Now, Ryan, now. <laughs> it's give and go. Give, give, give and go. Give, go, go. Here's Give and Go. All right, and our wonderful host is none other than David Gascon, who is now is is like the closer for this show. You're going to come in here, finish this thing off. Yeah, I just saw uh, Rob Parker, and he called you the moat. Oh, what's that now? Meanest of all time. Oh, the meanest of all time. Uh-huh. I was looking for an oat that had multiple letters, like the me the, the me me the me put up oat. <laughs> I'll I'll figure out later what it stands for. All right, guys, let's get to it then. Earlier today, we talked about the Denver Broncos cutting former first-round pick Paxton Lynch. You'll recall the Broncos actually picked him up in 2016 and also spent a second-round pick on Brock Osweiler a few years ago as well. It's one of the big reasons why the Broncos were one of the worst teams in the AFC West last season. I don't know who wrote this copy. So here's the question. (laughs) Is John Elway overrated as a general manager, or is he just bad at identifying? Identifying quarterbacks. Uh, look, identifying quarterbacks is hard. And I think one of the things we look at is like just because you played quarterback yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you can identify it any better than another NFL expert at a different position. You know, like a John Lynch uh, who went out and traded for Garoppolo, the best quarterback in the NFL last year. So um, I, I don't hold it against Elway just because he's a quarterback. But I will remind Elway forever of two words. One of them's Colin and the other's Kaepernick. I'll oh, just leave that right there. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, just because you know, proximity to greatness or having been great at something doesn't mean that you will be great at being able to evaluate that. Look at Jordan as a GM for Charlotte. I mean, his draft picks have not been very good. But, I, yeah, I think you'd have to say he's just he's not very good at, at, at identifying quarterback talent. I guess of the two options, he'd have to go there. Uh, I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl, so he clearly knows something about kind of putting a roster together. All know? right, gentlemen, we go from the NFL to college ball. Texas stumbled out of the gate yesterday against Maryland, making the second consecutive year. The Longhorns have opened up the season with a loss to Maryland. Last year, they finished seven and six. So, if you're a Texas fan, are you starting to have some buyer's remorse for one Tom Herman? A little bit. I mean, I think you got to be patient, but at the same time, a lot of the really good coaches, it, it pops right away. And my eyes tell me when I watch Texas that they, that that there isn't anything special trending in the right direction. I mean, to lose to Maryland not once but twice to start the year is not a great sign. I know it's it's early to maybe hit the the total panic button, but I'd say at this point you got to have a little bit of buyer's remorse. Well, what is is this year two? Yes, year okay, two. Yeah, this is too early, and I know take, you can't tell Texas fans right now to be patient. They don't want to hear that. Right. Uh, it's it's been a little bit too long for their liking already, and they're Texas. They have resources out the wazoo. Uh, they they should not have struggles like this. But by the same token, to me, uh, you know, one year and one game that that's it's just not enough to assess a, a head coach if they get off to a two-and-two start next year, uh, then I think it's a fair conversation to have. All right, peeling it back to the NFL, Jalen Ramsey was asked in an article if Blake Bortles is good enough to lead the Jaguars to the Super Bowl, and he replied, quote, he doesn't need to be. The Jaguars can win the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles, end quote. So, 
Gentlemen, is Ramsey's blunt honesty good or bad for the Jags moving forward? Um, look, I think Jalen Ramsey's blunt honesty has been good for the entire NFL for the for the you know entirety of this summer with everything that he said. However, he could have answered this one a little differently. I don't hate the way he answered it, but here's the honest truth: the answer is yes. Of course, Blake Bortles can win a Super Bowl. If Trent Dilfer can win a Super Bowl and Brad Johnson can win a Super Bowl, then Blake Bortles can win a Super Bowl. That's not me saying Blake is wonderful. Uh, and it's not me saying that Blake Bortles can win four Super Bowls, but the Jaguars have everything in place, and they were they were five minutes from the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I think Ramsey's comments have taken a little pressure off of everyone else on that team. I'm not saying that was his plan, but he's the, the target and the most talked about guy in the Jags. It might free up the rest of that group uh, to go do their thing, but there's going to be some quarterbacks wanting to go at that guy. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Nick, wonderful stuff. Dave, thank you very much for the give and go. I don't know if I'll be back next week because there's a lot of Raider fans here and they're pretty mad at me right now. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck experiencing this year. Well, it varies. You know, if you pick somebody first, there's definitely pressure there to play. You know, the Cleveland situation is a little bit unique. I think they're being influenced by the fact that they played a guy quickly last year. It was such a disaster. But the truth is, in the last five or six years, most of the guys that started early actually did at least okay, and then it accelerated their development because they were on the field playing. By the way, I'm not one of these people who thinks if the quarterback's not playing, he's not learning or developing. He can learn without playing, but he doesn't learn as fast or as effectively until he actually starts playing. Um, you know, I, I think you should play a quarterback as quickly as you can once you have an offensive line that's at least solid, and you feel like he will at least play solidly. And, you know, we've seen a lot of examples here recently where guys did that right away, and they, you know, did reasonably well. I don't think the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl last year if they hadn't ended up starting Carson Wentz uh, as a rookie. Now, I know he didn't play in the playoffs, but they ended up with a bye and the number one seed that helped them get to the championship game fairly easily because, you know, he played so well during the season and got them the record they did. I, I, if last year had been his first year as a starter, meaning his second year league, his first year as a starter, I don't think we would have seen them, you know, achieve what they did. So you've got to get these guys on the field once they're reasonably ready to go. And I wouldn't put them on a field early if they don't have a good offensive line. I'm very high on Darnold's long-term potential, but I'm a little nervous about seeing him play so early with an offensive line that I think is, fairly shaky joe banner with us fox sports radio uh joe while we're talking about wentz i wonder also what your experience is discussions that you've had in situations where you've got a guy who's mostly healthy you really want him to play but you also want to think about the long term this is a very difficult thing that the eagles are trying to navigate with how long do you sit carson wentz out so what kind of advice would you give him you know, I see Bill Polian say this all the time. The truth is the doctors are making these decisions. And he may say, listen, you can play him if you really want to, but I wouldn't recommend playing him for a couple of weeks. And, you know, my experience you know, at the Eagles and a uh, little less so in time at the, at the Browns and just from talking to people around the league, I mean, you really don't try to mess with an, a doctor that has a fairly clear opinion. So, I think what we're hearing from them, that he hasn't been cleared for contact yet, is probably exactly what's going on. And even if he's cleared, I think they'll probably be wise by, you know, taking an extra week or two uh, and just making sure. I mean, you know, I, I, I think they think that they're good enough 
that he could miss one, two, four games, and they're still likely to win the division and get their shot in the playoffs. Now, will t- time will tell whether they're right or that about that or not. Uh, but I don't think they feel like they're kind of risking the season if he misses a couple of games, maybe even up to as many as four weeks. I mean, it's still a very, very strong team. And, you know, they did win with falls, so we'll see. He's looked terrible in the preseason. We'll see if they can get him back to the point where he could, you know, give them a shot at winning. Joe, do you like what the Rams have done? I mean, it's probably not a long-term sustainable thing, but windows close fast, and while they're open, go for it. Is that how you view it? Yeah, you know, the greed for me. I think the idea that they made some moves in, in the go-for-it-now mindset uh, is totally justifiable and smart. Um, but they went. They made a lot of moves that are go-for-it, uh, you know, now. Um and I probably would have stopped a little. I'm scared to death of putting too much into any given year. It's too easy to have a crucial play get hurt or even your quarterback get hurt. You know, those of us that have been to the playoffs a number of times have seen just too many, a bad call, a bad bounce, a windy day, and you're the team that passes more. It's just, it's just too easy to have a really good year and then not get all the way there. So uh, I, I support them uh, being more aggressive and, and going mostly in. Uh, I do think they've made some things that will affect the roster in a couple of years, and I may not have gone quite that far, but uh, you can't really fault teams for going for it. I mean, the windows are so short, and there's so much that can make a window that looks long suddenly become short. Joe, great stuff. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. Uh, My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. Okay, there he goes. Joe Banner, the former NFL executive, joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Mark Willard, Nick Baugh. And coming up next, uh, it's time for an assessment. We joke baseball's over. It's not. However, let's assess how they did with their time away from football this summer. That's coming up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.